Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Where ag and life collide. Brought to you by Gowan. Leroy Bull, Stanford, Connecticut. Water dowser, map dowser. Yep, dowsing. We talk it all right now. Hello, America, and a growing audience around the world. Welcome to Open Field Radio. And I'd like to say you're in for a treat today because you're in for a treat today. Our guest today is map dowser, water dowser extraordinaire, Leroy Bull. Now, before you go, what what show is this? This is amazing. And yes, it does fall into our exploration of the one degree of separation between agriculture and life and everything else. It also falls into that subject of water, very agriculture. But you'll also learn that water dowsing is a very unspoken skill, kind of a get it done kind of skill, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the motto of the farm. This episode is Cooler than cool, Leroy is nicer than nice. He walks us through the science of it, the art of it, the fringe of it. Some of it makes perfect sense, and some of it, even by his own admission, is totally unexplainable. Perfect. There's a fantastic article on Leroy in Outside Magazine. Google that, you'll find it. It's right, it'll pop right up, I promise. And he comes with other big credentials as well. How about Smithsonian Magazine and former president of the American Society of Water Dowsers? And bottom line is, if you look up Water Dowser, he's just, he's the guy. The king of the inexplicable world of water dowsing. And we'll get to it all in give or take 90 seconds. I don't know about you, but it seems like everywhere I turn right now, there's something about jobs and the abundance of jobs available out there. Well, here's one to throw in the mix. Skip the job. How about a career at Gowan? Maybe you're in agriculture. Maybe you're in science. Maybe you're none of that. Check it out at gowanco.com slash careers. Great opportunities available, and they're all cool. Careers right here in America and around the world. Come see it for yourself. That's gowanco.com slash careers. And tell them you heard it on Open Field Radio. I feel like the more shows we do, the more we get to know each other. You know what I mean? I know you, you know me. Oh, look, we're just regular people, right? I mow my yard, you mow your yard. Regular stuff. And when it comes to promoting Open Field Radio, I need regular people to tell other regular people this show is happening. So tell somebody. Knock on somebody's door, call them up, send them a text, whatever, and tell them you're listening to Open Field Radio, and by golly, they should be too. It'll be awesome, I promise, because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. Hi, my name is Nina Wilson, and I listen to Open Fields from the lowest capital of the world, Yuma, Arizona. Hang on to your seats. Open Field Radio Season 2, Episode 5 with Leroy Bull starts right now. <laughs> right now, the cell phone has one bar, but it's working all right, so what the heck? <laughs> well, don't move. Don't move. Whatever you do. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Where are you located? You're in Pennsylvania, is that right? Now we're in Connecticut, Stamford, Connecticut, which is really a suburb of New York City. Right. A piece of Connecticut hangs down very close to the city. That's where we are. Okay. Okay. And is that home for you? Is that where you live all the time? Yes. It's really our kids' house. They've got a large house here with seven and a half acres and uh, lots of woods, and it's beautiful. Well, I've discovered you. i got to be honest with you. My producer and boss guy here, he sent me an article. It was the Outside Magazine article you were in. And he goes, check yep. this Check this out. And so I dug through, <laughs> I dug through it, 
And I was fascinated. To find you was not the easiest thing necessarily, but I did find an email address and I thought, who knows if this works? And you responded. It really made me happy. I was like, this will be fun. I am the idiot in the room. I know nothing about this, though I've had an experience that I'll talk to you about at some point here. I'd love to know your insights on it. Okay. But really where, where, where it all comes from, you just educate me and we'll go from there. I think my first question is, I think it would be anybody's from the outside looking in. Is this a skill? Is it an art form? Explain it to me. Okay. These days in, in the new physics, uh, we the new physics came along, bumping along, and then agrees with us. And that is that everything in our world is on the periodic chart, and that we're all made up of one mixture and, or another of it. And... Everything on the periodic chart vibrates to its own frequency. So put in a nutshell, you and I live in a primordial soup of frequencies, and you've probably been feeling them since you were in the womb. Now, a dowser is just a person who tuned back into those frequencies. It's sort of like setting your frequency selector to water, quote-unquote, or gold or anything else and learning where the, where the feel of that is. So it's an art. We use the scientific method, yes, but that's just a method to get there. You feel your environment from your medulla oblongata, and if you can send that information up to your cortex, then you know in your rational mind what you feel from your environment. So the dowsing response is actually your cortex telling your hands when to turn and make that pendulum swing or L rod go or whatever. You just blew my mind right there. I was like, where have we just gone? <laughs> New physics. Wow. I had that's a okay. All right. <laughs> I'm 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 lucky. My wife is a biochemist, biophysicist, and she knows this junk. And and I just <laughs> listen. And try to learn. That's all. <laughs> uh, well, it looks like you've done very, very well. So where is science with this? Do they respect it? Do they accept it? Do they push it away? It's now in flux for a long time. You know, science and everybody else just put their crossed fingers up when the word dowsing even appeared. And uh, now, because science has come to it, and now there's even more acceptability when I started doing this, you know, uh, 60 years ago, most people, uh, even if they would hire you, they were very skeptical. And the best thing, of course, is after you marked a water well for them, then you hand them the rods and you instruct them how to walk and what to think about. And then it works for them. And the one most fun thing is the funny look that gets on their face. <laughs> I'll bet that's priceless. Yep. Well, I think the thing I've heard the most with it is if there's a catch line to it, you always hear them say, well, you have to believe. Is there any truth to that? Well, of course, that's true for anything in life, I believe. Um, <laughs> to, 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 to give you the numbers, there's a folk fest in Doylestown, Pennsylvania on Mother's Day weekend, and they, they bring people in by the busloads. And if my uh, dowsing chapter has enough help, which means I need help, I can't stand there and talk for two days, um, two, uh, 500 people will stop at that booth in a two-day weekend. And seldom is there more than two or three who can't get a simple dowsing response in a two or three minutes. 
So I don't know what the statistics are, but that's a very, very small decimal. (laughs) (laughs) That is. Well, that was one of my questions was, can anybody do it? Virtually. Now, my own brother, who who has gotten instructions the same place I did, which was a grandfather, <laughs> says he couldn't find couldn't find the Atlantic Ocean standing on shore, <laughs> and he's and he's a landscape architect. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you think this would be handy uh, for him? You'd think. Take me back to your grandfather. How did you learn, and what did he teach you? We don't really know where he learned. Um, he was a dairy farmer in northern New York State. And one Easter, he lined about eight cousins up. He, he had already cut eight forked sticks off the willow tree. And uh, he, there was a pitcher pump in the front yard. And there was a small vein that went to the pitcher pump. And he literally lined us up parallel to the vein, handed us the sticks, and told us what to, how to hold it and what to think and where to walk slowly. And half the sticks went down the first time. Of the half that didn't go down, if he worked with them for a little while, another uh, another half of those, 25%, went down, <laughs> and my brother was one of the ones that didn't go down. <laughs> well, yeah, well. Writing was on the wall, I guess. <laughs> yes, indeed it was. <laughs> the other interesting one like that is if I teach at a senior citizen's place or something like that, it's not unusual for most of the women to get it pretty fast, but if these older folks live through the uh, depression, many of the guys can't get it. They they lived and had to make bacon. They had to make it work. And so they grab a hold of the dowsing stick or whatever it is, and they try to make it work. And you can't, you have to let it work. <laughs> Wow, that's a great observation. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. These guys are getting it done, right? They're going to get it done. Yep, they absolutely. You're listening to Open Field Radio. We keep our boots muddy and our ears tuned to the thorny challenges of agriculture. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? Because it's the truth. The Gowan Group is a global, family-owned agriculture solution business headquartered in Yuma, Arizona. Gowan specializes in developing, marketing, and processing agricultural inputs such as crop protection products, seeds, and fertilizers. Gowan has grown markets in the majority of the agricultural regions globally. A deep respect for science and a passion for agriculture drives Gowan Company to help growers solve their critical pest and plant health issues. Let's say it together. Gowan Company. So you know when you're digging around online and you find those lists of if you like this, then that... Well, this one's pretty cool. Maybe it's one of those they know you buy the company you keep kind of things. But I found a list that said if you like open field radio, then you might like these podcasts. Check it out. How about Smartless with Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett? Not bad. How about the Ben Shapiro show from the Daily Wire? How about Dateline NBC? How about the Daily Show from the New York Times? That's only the biggest podcast in the world. NPR News and Conan O'Brien's podcast. You know what? You know them by the company they keep. That's pretty good company. That's why you listen to Open Field Radio. Quick shout out to some folks we know are listening to Open Field Radio. Say hello to Martin, South Dakota, Brooklyn, New York, Comanche, Texas, Pendleton, Oregon, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Frankfurt, Germany. Thanks for listening. From the Gowan Global Studio deep inside the Lee Hotel, this is Open Field Radio. In learning from your grandfather, did your grandfather see something in you that went, ah, Leroy's got it, or how did that go? No, he just watched to see what the stick did. And uh, 
once once I got that much, then when Sunday came around and Grandma went to church, well, he and I didn't want to sit in a stuffy old church, so we went out and did wells for neighbors. <laughs> the 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 three counties around Watertown, New York, have all kinds of wells done by him. <laughs> An art, a skill like this in agriculture, I think would be fascinating. Absolutely. My my book is called The Art and Craft of Map Dowsing. So you can tell just by the uh, title that there's, this is not all science. <laughs> and the other, the other one to tell you is I... I try to keep it as clean as I can because if I'm talking to a group of 100 people, these days there are people out there in that audience from 20 different countries and 19 different religions. Sure. So if you stand up there and you talk all about one kind of religion, you're losing your audience. Probably comes from experience. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, when they raise their hands and ask a question, it may be even out of you, the you know the speaker's milieu, because they're coming at it from Mohammedism or whatever. Sure. Uh, they, they they word things differently. That's all. Right. It's all the same, but it's worded differently. Well, tell me, you you mentioned the willow and the willow yeah. fork. Is is willow an important part of this, or can anything be a dowsing rod that way, or Explain it to me. If you believe in your heart of hearts mm -hmm. that you have to have a willow twig or a cherry twig or a peach twig, if you believe it, it's true. Okay. And so you better you better go get a cherry twig because uh, <laughs> that's what you believe. And, and it will, you will help yourself. The truth is anything is a uh, dowsing tool. When my daughter goes out and... Uh, does a field, she uses her hand, bare hand, so to speak. She just stands at the edge of the field and takes her hand and moves it across the field. And when the palm of her hand turns warm, she's pointing in the vector, the direction of where that water well is going to be. Then she puts her hand back down by her foot and brings it up across that vector. And when her hand turns warm in the palm the second time, she's pointing right at where the well is going to be. Now, here's, here's the comical part. Okay. The comical part is <laughs> we, we get into a drought, and I'm working 14, 15 hours a day, six days a week for the USDA. And uh, then I don't have time to do enough wells in a drought, so I would leave an address at her breakfast table. And she would take her little jitney putt car after high school and go out <laughs> and do a well. So she would do that little routine and, and go back to her little car and grab a steak and drive it in and then drive away. And you, you can be sure I'm going to get a call that night from some guy who says, this little girl drove up in a little sports car and she waved her hand twice and drove a stake in the ground and walked away. And I didn't even get a chance to talk to her. <laughs> and I, if you think, if you think I'm going to drill where that little girl stuck a stake in the ground, you got to be crazy. And I finally figured out the right answer. The right answer is I tell them if you drill there and you don't get water, I'll pay the drilling. Ever had to pay? <laughs> no. Right, exactly. <laughs> Never. Exactly. Well, I, why is there so much mystery to this and so much, I won't say skepticism, but at the same time, that kind of like, huh, feeling with all this when you when when people see it, 
And obviously it works. What brings the, I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for. Skepticism, I guess, is the right word. Well, I'll tell you a quick one. My father-in-law was a civil engineer, and I helped him with three or four of his projects on his three acres in Southampton, Pennsylvania. And um, after about three or four projects, which we worked together on, or I just uh, horned my way in and helped him out, <laughs> we were walking up, up toward the front of the house one day, and it was summertime. And Oscar was sitting in there in his easy chair. He saw us coming, and he zoomed out the front door. He walked straight up to me, not his daughter. He never walked straight up to me. <laughs> and he says, <laughs> it is obviously true. It is evidentially true. And then he turned around and went back in and sat in his easy chair. And Diana and I are standing there looking at each other, <laughs> saying, what's Oscar talking about this time? <laughs> he gave no hint whatsoever. And we talked about it for a little while because I had just diverted some water into a shallow well. We just diverted some water into a shallow well. And uh, he finally decided, he'd seen it work four or five times, that it is evidentially true. And uh, coming from a mathematician, that's an excellent observation. Wow. Um, you mentioned the USDA. Well, if you're working for the USDA, obviously somebody knows this, is, this guy's going to get it done. <laughs> uh, I actually was surprised and sort of honored when the USDA saw the article in Smithsonian Magazine years ago, and they, uh, they of course, decided maybe they'd better do something. So they put a, a short article in the National USDA Newsletter about me. Uh, we were surprised. <laughs> I'll bet you were. But what a great validator. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, my supervisor was from Pakistan, and uh, he was totally skeptical. And one of the other inspectors told him one day that I could actually make money doing this. So the next time he rode with me, he had wanted to know if I would show him. So we pulled over to the side of the road. I grabbed a couple of pair of L rods, and I showed him how it works, and it worked for him. And that was the greatest thing to happen. <laughs> he, he started to smile. But you see, when he didn't believe anything until one of the other inspectors told him that you could make a few bucks this way. Sure, sure. At what point in your life did you realize, hey, I can, like, I, I can really do this, not just kind of have fun with it, but this could be, there could be a future in this? Yeah, it's been a hobby, my, or an avocation my whole life. And now, of course, it's my vocation because I'm retired. But I was probably um, 20, and uh, I talked to the local county extension agent and uh, told him that, uh, well, he knew my father, so... I told him, if anybody calls your extension office and wants, uh, you know, a water dowser, I'll be glad to respond. So that was the beginning. He started spreading the word around and uh, wi wider than the immediate community, let's put it that way. And that helped. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, the best advertising, of course, is word of mouth. It was true 50 years ago. It's true today. And that's not going to change. Talk me through the terminology, water dowsing, divining rod, all of those kind of things. Are they all the same? Is it all the same? It's just semantics? Yeah, it's all semantics because there's all kinds of different shapes and sizes of rods that work in all kinds of different ways. And uh, my daughter uses her bare hand, 
and uh, there's there's yet another one which uh, nature taught me, and that is sometimes I remote view a well. Wait, 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 wait. Did he just say remote viewing? Open Field Radio suddenly became an episode of The X-Files, Scully and Mulder, right now. Let's just say I didn't see that one coming. But maybe for a bit of clarification, how about a definition? Remote viewing is the practice of seeking impressions about a distance or unseen target, purportedly sensing it with the mind. Okay, and maybe that's a simple definition, and maybe that's a Wikipedia definition. Could be. But there is plenty of information out there that says remote viewing is a real thing. In fact, when I searched this, it's not hard to find an intuitive specialist to help locate water on your property. And I also found articles about the U.S. military and CIA using it. Other articles saying, yeah, they got rid of it. But as you'll hear shortly, they may say they have gotten rid of it. But did they? Listen to Leroy's story and his experience with remote viewing. If I'm standing like at the foot of a hill and I can see the whole uh, lot in one shot, then sometimes little gold lines appear in the grass. And up in the first time it happened in the upper right corner of the lot was a place where two gold lines crossed. And there's a little teeny uh, anthropomorphization, a blinker blinking there where those two are, and that's where the well's going to be. And I didn't use a dowsing rod at all. I just looked at the grass, and the nature spirits taught me. That's really a fast way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're down a whole other path, but cool. How did you get there? How did you know that's what was happening? Well, in, in dowsing, what you ask for very specifically, and, and the wording is important, what you ask for, you should get. Okay. So if you're asking for a copper pipe underground, you should walk right over a plastic pipe and not even know it's there if you are being properly entrained on the target and thinking copper pipe, copper pipe. So I was thinking, where are the water veins on this lot and where am I going to put the well? And pop, on came the little gold lines. And you just saw it. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of easy ways to do some of this, but that is really fantastic. And, uh, and have you been able to do it again since then? Oh, yes. Every once in a while, it shows up probably every couple of months. Mm -hmm. Do you have any control over that part of it, when it's going to show up or not show up, the remote viewing part? No, I don't seem to. Okay. No. All right. Didn't know if there was a switch you have to throw, if you know what I'm saying. You're like, nope, I'm remote viewing it today. <laughs> I expect to be able to develop that. My wife says she's hanging around watching what the dowsing goes to because she wants to see what the heck I do next. <laughs> <laughs> that could be fun all by itself, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> she was a hard scientist from Penn State, biochemistry, biophysics, and she was teaching in school. And uh, she came home that day and we sat down to supper and I said, where's your ring? She looked at her hand, and she didn't even know it wasn't there, and she said, well, I, I must have left it at school. So I'd been to that school, and we just drew the floor plan, and I mapped out where her ring was, and an X on the school was on a little teeny closet. And she went to work the next day, and she went in there, and she didn't see it, and she came back that night and said, I didn't see the ring. It's not there. And I said, well, it feels like it's there to me. 
and I pointed the stick at the floor and brought it up the wall, and I said, it's five feet off the floor. So she went back the next day and looked in the closet five feet off the floor, and there's a shelf. She had taken her ring off and stuck it in a, um, in a bib in, that she was using because they were doing clay that day, and she stuck it in the pocket of the bib and put it up on the shelf at the end of the day. <laughs> and all I could say was, I'm I'm glad the laundry didn't come get the bib that night. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you can find whatever it is you need to find, not just water. True. And the more experience, well, once you have learned to become entrained on what I'll call an easy target like water, then the entrainment process, you can point toward other things. So um, my wife and I have been to Japan 12 times for me to find time capsules buried by grade school kids. You know, in Japan, (laughs) Japan, things are a little bit more starched than they are over here. And the graduating class is going to bury a time capsule. And sometimes the teacher buried it by themselves, and sometimes they took the class with them. But in any case, 35 years later, Ish, if they didn't write down where it was and put it in the filing cabinet, they don't know where it is. So if there's if there's 15 people back from that class, five say it's up on the far left and and 10 say it's down on the lower right. Well, the 10 are probably about correct, and the five have forgotten. Sure. And uh, so we have found some and had some very interesting times. But I will tell you this, it's a long trip over there and back. <laughs> <laughs> and you've done it 12 times. Yep. You find a target or whatever it is they want you to find, and then you go back over a second time and you are filmed and you're put on television. And it was uh, the television rating system over there is one through five, and it got a four or a five every year that it was on. Well, everybody and, loves the fascinating, right? And this is totally yeah. fascinating. Well, they've, they've come to accept that, yeah. Kids these days see stuff like dowsing on the television set. It's, it's not new anymore in that sense. You know, a 10-year-old can watch a television show that talks about dowsing and parapsychology and whatever else. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly Great. right. Yeah, it's right there. Is water dowsing or dowsing in general, is this something that takes practice? You know, you use it or lose it kind of thing? Well, it's very much like a piano. If you don't practice, you won't get better. There you go. And if you don't practice at all, you are going to get rusty. Yep. And it's not something you're born with necessarily. Well, I I think hardly anybody isn't born with it. And I I give you this quick example at that folk fest I talked about. Sure. Um, This this couple comes in and she's 4'11 and a half and weighs 80 pounds soaking wet with a rock in each hand. And he is built like like a monkey. He was absolutely 300 pounds and 6'6 or 6'5. And he walked in what you might call a cape position. So you see her walking into the booth and she's floating along like a sine wave. You know, things are going to work out. Uh, we can do this. This is going to be managed. and It's going to be fine. And he's just exactly the opposite. His, his hands are almost clinched. And you wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley at night. <laughs> you take one look at him, you'd run. So she grabs a pair of L-rods, and she found the silver dollar that was hidden. She found the water vein and so forth, and um, he's watching. 
but he's watching. And if you anthropomorphize this a little, the smoke's coming out of his ears because she's getting it all. She found everything there was to find and did it fine. So it came his turn and they handed him a pair of L-rods that didn't have plastic handles. So he clinched onto those handles. And, you know, if you grabbed the tip of the L-rod, you probably couldn't have moved it in his hand. He had white-knuckled it right down tight. And I'm walking him toward a, a, one of the targets, and I feel like a parrot sitting on his shoulder saying, you know, relax, take three deep breaths, and think about an underground water vein and all that kind of stuff. And he never got it. And, <laughs> of course, sure, he'd chosen beforehand. Yeah, he knew ahead of time now, it wasn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> At this point in your life, how often do you do it? How often do you do water dowsing? Or dowsing in general? I keep saying water dowsing. I guess it's just dowsing. Yeah, I douse something almost every day. Last week I drove... Uh, my daughter and I drove down to Maryland, and I did two golf courses. They were small, 120, 130 acres each. And um, when you're riding in a golf course and you can scan, you know, uh, 70, 80, 90 acres at a time for a potential water well, it doesn't take long. Now, if they got 300 acres, <laughs> that's a different story. But um, I got to ride in a Tesla all the way down to Maryland and back. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Not a problem, right? Yeah, something new. Exactly. You can scan that much area at once, 70 acres? Oh, sure. Well, I can scan as far as I can see. So if there's woods around, um, I just scan from where I am out to the edge of the woods or the fence rows or whatever so that we know where it is. If there was actually 200 acres out in front of me and I could see it all, it would be uh, a little iffy as to where... Uh, the target was when the stick went down. Yeah, that that would be harder. <laughs> sure. Okay. So for me, and let's because I want to simplify this a little bit. When you say scan, break down scanning and the scanning process for me. Sure. Um, just like the um, one where the gold lines appeared on on a building lot. That was. If you put yourself into your remote viewing headset and you take your L-Rod or whatever it is and you move it out across however many acres it is, you expect the rod to react when you are looking the direction that another good water well site will be. So you're moving it across the field and it will suddenly go faster and swing in towards you. So that direction that you were looking at the time is the direction you're going to go. So scanning is you turning on your intuitive sense to feel the direction that that water well is going to be. Fascinating. We at the American Society of Dowsers funded a project. One of uh, my science officer, when I was president, found out that uh, the government, you know, the government likes to throw money at things and think, thinks that it'll get better. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. So he found out that somebody took a, ran a bill through Congress that try, was going to try to look at the alcoholism in Native Americans. So Congress funded a big chunk of money to put a scanning machine in Sedona, Arizona that would clock eight frequencies at one time in living color and, you know, the needles are twitching and all of that kind of fun stuff. Okay. 
So we said, why don't you go to them and see if we can buy an hour? And he went to them and they said, well, this project, which the government has funded, it will take two years. And at the end of two years, come back and see us and you can buy an hour. Sure. So he, he went back after two years. And they said, yes, we're glad to sell you an hour, uh, and we'd like to see your prospectus. What is it that you're trying to say, do, or be? So he provided them with it, and what it said was that master dowsers, feng shui experts, and uh, people like karate experts and so forth have cooperation across the two lobes of their brain. And the lobes of the brain are separated by the corpus callosum. So they read the prospectus and wrote back to him, you're crazy in the head, and, uh, but well, we're happy to take your money. So the, the, then president, the then president of the Dowser shows up and they put that virtual reality helmet on him. And the science officer had a half a dozen things to read to him and have him do. Now, you know in those fancy machines that if you do very much at all, it's going to show on the needles. So the patient was singing, he was praying, he was sending healing to someone, and he picked up the pendulum to do something or other else. And 15 minutes into the hour, the scientists over there behind the glass window, because they don't want to make any noise either, because that'll show on the whole diagram, they're waving their hands at our science officer and telling him by mouth, you've already proved your point. In 15 minutes. <laughs> wow. So much for your hour. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, about six months later, they wrote us and said, would we be willing to give them a copy of our results? They intend to co-publish it. <laughs> there you go. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Coast to coast and around the world. You're listening to Open Field Radio. If you haven't heard it, it's new to you, right? Gowan USA has a broad selection of herbicides, fungicides, and insecticides to deliver customized solutions for your crops. Gowan provides the right programs to fit your unique needs, standing behind our products with expert service and support. And Gowan USA is family-owned and operated right here in the United States of America for over 55 years. That's a long time. Check it out for yourself at gowanco.com. And now you know. Open Field Radio. Like. Share. Subscribe. This is Michael Ruhlman, author of Grocery, The Buying and Selling of Food in America. Price check on Honey Nut Wonder Rose. Season 1, Episode 4. And you're listening to Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, American Dowser, Leroy Bull. You know what's fun today is I, I made my notes for today, was excited to talk to you today, and... I had no idea where this interview was going to go, and it's just gone in places I couldn't have, I couldn't have mapped it out if I tried. Talk to me about <laughs> – this is totally fun. Uh, talk to me about the American – is it the American Society of Dowsers? Yes. In the 50s, uh, four or five uh, water dowsers in Vermont got together, and one of them was a lawyer, and they wrote up a corporation – and it's the American Society of Dowsers, which is still the largest dowsing society in the world. You know, the Brits have one and the Indians have one and blah, blah, blah. And although, like a lot of uh, what I'll call service situations, they've all shrunk. And we've shrunk, too, but we're still the biggest one. There you go. And uh, 
they send out a they ask people who do this to send in stories and they publish them in a quarterly magazine they don't even worry quite too much about punctuation because they want to get the stories out there for people to see and read and see what other people are using the dowsing technique for. A lot of people will use it for their own personal health, let's put it that way. And they will literally line up all the vitamin bottles in the world on their table and they put their pendulum over top of it and they go down each vitamin bottle and they ask whether or not the body needs some some of that and some of that and some of that and some of that today. It says, no, they don't take any of it. That's all. And we find people finding holes in pipes like I've done and plugs in pipes and whatever it is that you need to retrieve information for in your life can probably be done by dowsing. Probably the other monkey wrench to throw you <laughs> <laughs> throw away is throw away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. It's called the other one is called remote viewing. Remote viewing is the experiment would be put a drawing of like a triangle or a circle or something in a manila envelope and put it down in front of a student and ask them what shape is in there and you're not allowed to open the envelope. So to show you the how far this story goes, probably the best remote viewer in the Western world uh, was not taught by the American Society of Dowsers, but by the Army. His name is Joseph McMonigle. And he is retired now, and he's been retired for a decade, but there's still a desk at the Pentagon with his name on it. Mm. And if you know what hits the fan, they send the limousine to his house in Virginia, and they bring him back to the Pentagon. Wow. Somebody <laughs> believes, right? You, yeah, you indeed. <laughs> well, they taught him. Right. Yeah, they, the military taught him that. <laughs> we, we'd like to take credit at the Dowsers. And we teach it, but we weren't teaching it then. What what I teach and have been teaching for many years is called map dowsing. People fax or send me or email me a map of anywhere in the world. And if they want to know where the diamond ring is lost in the backyard, I put X marks a spot in it and fax it back to them. In, in Africa, counties are called the British way. It's a prefecture. And the head honcho of one of the prefectures, we've been to Kenya, and taught dowsing over there. But anyway, the head honcho wanted to know where the largest volume water well was in his prefecture. So, you know, you know how big a county is. Sure. And uh, they sent this county map. And now, if you think about it, a pencil line is probably 2,000 feet wide, <laughs> let alone <laughs> right. how long. Sure, sure. So to try to get this down to something, I doused where the well was, but put a box around it, sent the map back to him. And then, uh, oh no, first I blew it up and then uh, at the fax machine. And then I marked it again with a box and I sent it back to Africa. And I said, if you have a local map, even if it's hand drawn, send me a map of this place where the box is on your, on your paper. And they did. And we I marked it again and they sent it back, and we sent it back to them, and I think they they were somewhat pleased they got over 200 gallons a minute, which is pretty nice well for commercial purposes. 
towns and boroughs want a thousand gallons a minute or more, and sometimes the area has that much water in a vein, and sometimes it doesn't. Is dowsing a growing art, a dying art, a lost art? Well, it's probably been all of those things. In European history, there was the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, and the dowser. Mm. And if two people got into a fight over where the uh, border was between their lands, they called the dowser in to establish the the line where the property line is. That's handily recorded in, in European history lots of places. So this is a unique piece of all of our history. Yes. I have on my list of questions here, it says, is there any depth limit to this when you're dowsing? And I, I sense that in talking to you, no, there is not. If you can, <laughs> that if is you, correct. If you can visualize <laughs> it, you can get to it. That's exactly right. Well well said. For, for a beginner, that was pretty well put. Um, the one thing I often do, because, uh, you know, experience is a great teacher, I did a well for a couple who bought a whole peninsula that sticks out into New York Harbor. And I mapped out it, and they were busy back then. This is years ago. They were busy building a two or three million dollar house back then, and um, they drilled the the well. And this was the story they told us. They drilled the well, and they got water just about where I said it was, and just about how much I said it was going to be. And um, the well driller came in the house and said do you want us to go any further? And they already had like 25 gallons a minute, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And um, the old man said, oh, yeah, we definitely want you to go further. And the old lady said, no, we got all we need and then some. So they, the old man went out and they drilled another 100 feet and they hit salt water. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Well, they're on a peninsula right. sticking out in the <laughs> exactly. New York Harbor. Yeah, exactly. So you can fix that. You have to backfill with aggregate and pour waterproof cement in it. But you're now talking about not only is it expensive to drill holes, it's expensive to fix them, too. I learned from that one when I count down into the last uh, good water, and then I ask, is there any limit can can they go to a thousand feet and not hit a clevis and have the water come in the top and go out the bottom? So that is now part of my standard questioning. Yeah, you essentially poked a yeah. hole in the bottom of the peninsula, didn't you? Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> nice fresh salt water. <laughs> exactly. Everybody needs that. You are a a treasure. Wow, this is fascinating. <laughs> this is absolutely fascinating. That county agent that I told you about, uh-huh. he calls me a Pennsylvania treasure. I believe you are. <laughs> I really believe you are. <laughs> yeah. And you're a joy to talk to. I've been smiling the entire interview. It's just so fun. This has been totally easy. My, I've had limited, like almost no experience with, with dowsing, with the exception that back 20-plus years ago, I worked construction. My in-laws had a— okay or general contractors, and I worked for the family business. Commercial agriculture stuff, coolers and sheds and big stuff. And we had built a great big cooler for a lettuce company of some sort. Anyways, concrete was put down, and inside that concrete was a valve for plumbing of some sort. Of course, the plumbers lost it. They had it marked on the plans, and they couldn't find it. They had punched holes (laughs) in the concrete looking for it and punched holes in the concrete looking for it, and they couldn't find it, and they were frustrated. Well, the guy I worked with who was my mentor was about 10 years, 11, 12 years older than me and a real uh, salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. And he stood there watching, drinking a cup of coffee, smoking a cigarette, watching these guys early in the morning, fussing over the concrete. And he looks at me and he goes, 
watch this. And he goes to our work truck, digs around the back of the work truck, which was just loaded with tools and junk, right? And he comes yeah. out with a old metal coat hanger. Yep. And he cuts that <laughs> thing into a couple of pieces, bends it into a couple of L's, and he starts walking. Sure enough, man, that thing starts moving. And he goes, your valve's right here. And they're like, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Well, sure enough, of course, the valve was right there. <laughs> and sure. I looked at him and I said, how did you do that? And he says, first, you have to believe. And he goes, but you can do it. Well, I have since used it like any, like you called me a beginner, and I'm proud you called me a beginner, <laughs> that I've even risen to that level. But I've used it in my yard to find old sprinkler lines and old this sure. or that, and it works. I mean, I have, it's, I've used it multiple times. Never understood if there was science or physics or anything else in it. I, don't, I do not know, but this interview today has been absolutely fascinating. It, it's, been, it's been quite a journey. And I'm sure it's not over yet. And no, no, I'm only 77 years old, and I've been dowsing since I was 12. <laughs> so if someone wants to connect with you, how do they get a hold of you? How do they find you? Probably the easiest one is just Leroy Bull spelled out, and it's not capital sensitive, and the numeral one at gmail.com. You know, on my notes right here, I have the word summary for this spot right here. And I couldn't summarize this if I had to. Draw your own conclusions. This is fascinating. Is it real? Heck yes. I can speak from first-person experience. It does work. What is it? I have no idea. But Leroy, he's 100% real, that's for sure. And my earlier comment of I had no idea where this interview was going to go, that too is 100% real. Can you give me a significance of dowsing to uh, American agriculture and where it sits? Well, it, it is used some, uh, officially or unofficially. Unofficially is usual because they don't want to um, incur the possibility of somebody uh, shaking their finger at them. So does it have a future in agriculture? Absolutely, as far as I'm concerned. But the truth is, like you, most people use it and simply don't say anything. I'm, I just stand up in front of the camera and 200 people and I talk. And that's not done by the average farmer or whomever. They just go out and get it done. You know, get it done, son. This is how you do it. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission.